I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... That was definitely a stickler for collegiate athletes, that they're like, we're on this video game that is making millions and millions of dollars and seeing nothing from... Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. Today's guest is Frances Reimer. She's the CEO of Firestarter Communications. It's a sports marketing agency. Sports, you bet. Big market, big business, big money. And we talk about all the elements surrounding the sports business, particularly a huge new change called NIL. That stands for name, image, and likeness. What does that mean? That means a college student that plays a sport and even a high school student based upon the state can actually get paid for showing up at a at an event or running a camp or promoting the Chevy dealer in town. Things that used to be literally off base for them and would disqualify them from being in the NCAA or even joining a pro team. So this is a really big change. We talk about how the economics of sports have changed over the years since she started a number of years ago representing athletes. All in all, if you like sports, you're going to love this conversation. Francis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Firestarter Communications is a marketing and communications agency for athletes, right? And coaches, yes. And coaches. Mm -hmm. All the people on the field, on the court, on the whatever. That's right. So talk about a crazy marketplace that is changing every single day. You are right in the middle of it. Yeah, it, it, in the just the seven years that my company has been in existence, the evolution of the athlete brand and the coaching brand has absolutely exploded. When I first launched my company, you know, people were a little nervous about what I was trying to do. And now people are seeing more and more as we're living more and more of our lives online that this is becoming a uh, a niche, uh, a lane, if you will, that needs constant care and feeding. Yeah. And I guess athletes, just just in my own career of watching athletes that I adored when I was a kid, and Baltimore Orioles, I grew up in Baltimore, uh, Pittsburgh, you have a lot of links in Pittsburgh. I love watching Roberto Clemente when I was tiny. But those, those sort of iconic athletes had, at least in my experience, had a brand affiliation to some extent. Brooks Robinson would sell some hot dogs in Baltimore. But the idea of an athlete as a brand representative, uh, a brand ambassador, has gotten so huge that the risk of them turning out to be human and making mistakes and the collision of that must be a portion of what you worry about every day. Yeah, I do lose a lot of sleep every night thinking about things that my clients are doing or aren't doing. Um, but believe it or not, even that whole concept has seen a little bit of a rise and and now people are calming down a little bit. Great. The, the idea of authenticity is really growing and sponsors and companies and individuals are really understanding that who this athlete or coach is in real life has to be there and present in their online um, their online existence. Yeah. And so you have to marry the two. Yeah. And, and companies are really starting to get savvy to rather than uh, trying to sell this crafted persona, they really are latching on to who these men and women are in real life. Wow. That's exciting to hear because we've all, we all we all remember stories of athlete X finding out that he was seen at a strip club at 2 a.m. Oh, shockingly, all the undressments go away. But now humanity is something we appreciate. 
I'm reminded of, uh, again, Baltimore, Cal Ripken was just this sort of perfect person, right? He's a human being, and we now we know a lot of things about his marriage and other stuff. And I, I guess how far can this go, though? I'm sure there's some, there's some hot buttons that sponsors and other uh, relationships that an athlete may have would kind of make them radioactive. Absolutely. I mean, controversial topics are just that, controversial. Yeah. And it really has to be a, a, a cooperative marriage between the athlete or coach and the sponsor in terms of where they stand politically, yeah. um, in their morals and values. And so these are com- conversations we're having offline when a company or an individual approaches one of my clients is, Yes, we both like this product, this service, this area, but are we on the same page politically right. in right. our personal beliefs? That way, if the athlete says something off the cuff or does something off the cuff, that the sponsor isn't putting the brakes on something. Yeah. Well, we're here in Washington, hence the name of the show, What's Working in Washington, the political capital of the, of D, of the nation, maybe the world. And I wonder sometimes about D.C.-oriented athletes, how they avoid not answering political questions. I'm sure folks like you give them good advice. But the other one is religion. You touched on it earlier. Quick question on that. It seems like there's a higher, maybe I'm overperceiving, a higher uh, forgiveness level or a higher appetite from fans for athletes of faith. We've always had athletes of faith expressing it, but now there seems to be kind of like, okay, you can worship whatever you want. Am I missing that, or is it? I mean, a Muslim athlete maybe still have, would have some challenges, or where, where's that in your in your goal or I, in your in your agency? I think just like any other topic, religion does have push pull. Yeah. But as you've correctly perceived, uh, there is a little bit more leniency amongst audiences in D.C. and otherwise yeah. around our beliefs, especially if you are Christian, yeah. you definitely get some leeway there. But other athletes, whether they be Jewish, Muslim, you know, Mormon, um, atheist, atheist, yeah. um, th- there is more leniency there, um, and I think that has to do with the fact that we are in America, and yeah. and and we try to be as understanding as we can about people's personal faith. Politics is still a hot button, yeah, and it really depends on what side you lean. Um, I would say. Uh, partic- individuals who particularly lean harder to the right or or would consider themselves more uh, conservative do have a harder go in, yeah. so, in the social media space. But there's some leniency there, too. So do you have clients in all of the major leagues or is it more college or all the above? Where, where, where's your agency go? I've had I've had touch points with every major league and yeah. including NASCAR over the years. Right now, the majority of my client base is NFL, but I'm slowly but surely making a very solid drift into collegiate sports thanks to the, the addition of name, image, and likeness. Yeah, we'll touch on that in a minute because that's probably maybe the single largest economic grenade to be tossed into sports in the last, I don't know, 50 years, as far as I can tell. But before we go there, NFL, we were talking about some challenges for a brand, an individual player, and we didn't touch on race. And, you know, the Colin Kaepernick story to me is it's illustrative. It's uh, maybe a cautionary tale for other players. I'm not sure that's still resolved in the NFL. And, And are you seeing players being cautioned by their agents or by their family or by other advisors, perhaps you, to stay away from religion, from politics, and race? I can't speak for other agents and other publicists. I certainly tell my clients to be true to who they are. And if they want to talk about hot-button issues, 
they may do so, but let's proceed with caution. Yeah. Let's make sure that we're having offline conversations with people in your team, your sponsors, uh, any nonprofit organizations that you're affiliated with. And let's be very careful about how we wade into this space yeah. um, just to make sure that all bases are covered. I, I would never want to mute a client uh, because they just have such a massive platform to enact change yeah. and to enact uh, educational reach. Um, but I'm sure there are other people saying, you know what, for the especially if they're in a contract year yeah. or something else is going on, that they might temper their their behavior so that whatever is happening at that time goes without any without a hitch. It's what's working in Washington. That's the voice of Francis Reimers. Francis is the CEO of Firestarter Communications and some other interesting organizations we'll touch on in a second. So let's get to agents and economics just for a sec, because you're 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 swimming in these waters. I see Aaron Judge recently set a record and I guess he chose not to negotiate his contract and roll the dice to see how things went. I guess he did. It's going to go okay. He's going to now negotiate a contract that it looks like, from what I read, eye-popping numbers, hundreds of millions of dollars. Does the agent still get 10% of this? What were the economics of agentry? Yeah. Um, I mean, what I do and contracts agents, we're in two completely separate lanes and we we all try to stay in our separate lanes. Yeah. But yeah, that agent is probably going to get 10% of that. Holy and, and, moly. And I and I think that he did this exactly right. Yeah. He's getting he's getting the exact right of brand equity out of this. Um, you know, the stuff with mom on the news, watching him hit Crazy. this out of the park. Yeah. I mean it's it it's it's just storybook. It's fantastic. Apple pie. Yeah. yeah, it's it's Americana. There should be a flag waving, an eagle should be flying. Right. You know, right. where's Lee Greenwood when we need him? Yeah. Um uh, yeah, he he pl- he rolled the dice and he played this well. But yes, he and his agent are gonna have a very nice payday. <laughs> so I I, I, I I spent a lot of time at one point in in the real estate technology industry, and and of course people always say a home sells for what it's worth, right? Mm-hmm. And I assume we all believe that an athlete is paid what he or she is worth. But I got to tell you, and you're, can't you or do you sit sometimes at night and go, I can't believe so and so is going to earn three hundred and fifty million dollars over the next five years? The numbers are amazing. Every day I sit there. I mean. There's there's fair market value on the contract side, and now I'm dealing with fair market value on the endorsements and sponsorship uh-huh. side. Right. And there are some deals that go through, and I'm like, they're paying this person this amount of money to, yeah. you know, sell shampoo yeah. or <laughs> eat a candy bar or whatever it is. And you know, just like you know, in real estate, I am saying in air quotes, fair market value. Yes is very questionable yes. and it and it rides waves right Absolutely. the market the city what's going on in the economy what this person has been doing offline but i do i do get a chuckle on a regular basis when i see a, a few deals going through of why that person got paid what they did we're going to touch on name image and likeness in just a minute because that's that to your point is is a talk about waves that's a big one but you're also involved with alliance 412 out of pittsburgh tell us about that so Alliance 412 is the for-profit collective. Oh no, no problem. Alliance 412 is the for-profit collective that connects Pitt student athletes with brands, companies, and nonprofit organizations to help them build their brand. University of Pittsburgh. University of Pittsburgh. Where Tony Dorsett, I'm sorry, Tony Dorsett went. Yes. I saw did. Tony Dorsett play his last home game at Pitt in the stadium. How about that? I mean, amazing. Yeah, amazing athlete. But why Pitt? Were you are you affiliated with the university or what's your role? No, I'm not affiliated with them in any sort of way. So another hat I wear, I'm the head of media and marketing for Aaron Donald's 
AD99 Solutions Foundation, which is located in Pittsburgh. Got it. Through that role, I've had dealings with uh, the Pitt Athletic Office over the years. And uh, Chris Bickle, who is a major donor for Pitt, decided he was going to start the collective. He decided, he looked around and said, I'll be that guy and picked up the ball. And he and um, our, our chief operating officer, Jeff Goldberg, were looking for somebody who had um, athletic branding, marketing, PR experience. So they called up the athletic office, said, we need a we need a warm body. And they're like, we have just the gal for you. She yeah. works she works with Aaron's foundation. And they gave me a call and, and the rest is history. Well, you're a walking segue machine. And I appreciate it, Francis <laughs> Reimers, because Chris Bickle, a big donor to Pitt. Yes. Donors for yes. college sports. Yes. Um, we all know they exist. We all know sometimes the money can get out of hand. Look at SMU and the scandal back, I guess, in the 80s and 90s. Are you seeing any sort of um, transition for large donors getting smarter about how they, they they lay out their funds, getting smarter about how they keep in the lane about making sure that young men and women don't get into trouble, getting you know a restaurant or a car or stuff like that? Or is it still kind of a cesspool? It's, I wouldn't call it a cesspool. I I, think, I said that for a reason to get the conversation started. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't call it a cesspool. I think, look, all of this has been happening since God was a boy. This is not new. It's yeah. just now above board. Right. And it's now being documented and it's now compliant. Um, and, and we at, at Pitt are making sure that people understand that they don't have to choose. It's, it's not choosing between donating to Pitt Athletics or donating to Alliance 412, um, all all tides raise the ship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're trying to get money in the hands of these student athletes to enrich their experience at Pitt. And so far, we're we're doing that. So it's Frances Reimers. That's the voice you're hearing. She's our guest on What's Working in Washington. When we come back, Frances and I are going to talk about exactly that, what it means to be a college athlete, even a high school athlete, and how their name, their image, and their likeness can can now start earning them money. We'll be back with more after this. Let's go right into what we have touched on a couple of times now, which is NIL. And that's an acronym that all of you sports fans should know and memorize and learn about because it stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. Give us the sort of overview of the genesis of this whole economic event. Yeah, so this has been brewing for a long time. But back in 2021, the NCAA finally relented and decided that uh, student athletes could now monetize their brand and thus was born name, image and likeness. Bills have been passed in certain states across the country to help protect NIL rights for student athletes in the event that the NCAA decided to 
change course Fascinating. Or, or to to do a turnabout. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, so many states, uh, Pennsylvania being one of them, uh, and many others, Florida, California, New York, uh, have all passed laws in essence to protect just in case the NCAA was like, just kidding, we're going to take back this right from you. Um, and so many have, have passed laws. A few have not. Um, but the NCAA has said, okay, we've charted this course. We're, we're going to keep going in this direction. And so, yeah, for the, for the past year or so, um, college student athletes across the country have been able to monetize their brand. So that's a professional phrase, and you're a professional, so I get it. But give me an example of what that might need, mean for a, a college athlete and potentially a high school athlete. Let, let's, let's take a high school right here. A big public high school here in Washington, or Dunbar, up near Baltimore, mm-hmm. if you know that, traditionally generated very good basketball players. Could a Dunbar basketball player get money? So recently, D.C. passed legislation allowing high school students to um, monetize from NIL. Um, and so, yes, in short, in, in in this particular area, that is possible. And what I mean by monetize from their brand, and this goes for a high school kid is or uh, a collegiate athlete, is this is social media campaigns. Uh-huh. This is public appearances. This is hosting a camp and actually charging for the camp rather than the camp being free. Getting huh. sponsors to underwrite that camp. Interesting. These kinds of activities. I get it. So it's not, although it, I guess it could be, the 18-year-old Dunbar senior on the billboard saying, I drive a Chevy at Wilson Chevy, they conceivably could do that and not get in trouble for using their image, name, and likeness as a marketing tool. Correct. If it's legal in their current jurisdiction where they went to high school, it will not impact recruitment to uh, to the collegiate level. It won't impact them at their high school if laws have passed in their jurisdiction. So it's still it's still a patchwork quilt by states, or is the NCAA ruling mean it's now available in all states until they change, or is it somewhere in between? NCAA ruling means for collegiate athletes uh, of course. across the board. Yeah. For high school athletes, it really does vary state by state. I'll be damned. Yeah, the C in NCAA is uh, for college. I can't say NC2A, right? They don't like you to say yeah, that. Yeah, they don't. I mean, They're not fans of that. That's yeah. branding. I, I, never, I, never, <laughs> I never got all that. So let's stick with college then. So I know you, you mentioned 2021. This this happened just last year, right? Correct. Um, but it was brewing for a while. And I remember, I guess, reading that some of the um, the video games would have likenesses of athletes on the on the actual box for the game back Correct. when games came in, in, a, in a cardboard box. And they were getting nothing from it. Was that the genesis of the of the objection by by lawyers representing these young men and women? It wasn't one particular. It wasn't like EA Sports doing NCAA football, right? Which, but although it was uh, something that was definitely a stickler for collegiate athletes, that they're like, we're on this video game that is making millions and millions of dollars and seeing nothing from it. Nothing. Um, but there was actually multiple things going on that were helping this conversation brew. One of them being the Alston case, and I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to fudge it and have you know legal scholars come after me. But <laughs> the Al- the outcome of the Alston case is really what kind of forced the NCAA's hand. Yeah. They, they didn't have a choice after that ruling because there was no floodgate for them to put up after that point. But people talking about college athletes uh, earning from their name, image, and likeness, 
has been talked about even if you go back to Michigan's Fab Five. Of course. The basketball team. Yeah. You know, they were like. Calling timeout one it, time too many. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and they were like, they were like, we are packing it in yes. night after night. People are going and buying our jersey, yet we see nothing. Right. Where Where is this? And the, and the whole concept of, well, you're getting a free college education to be here. Whoop-de-doo. Like, yeah. It's like, well, timeout. If I played cello for my university, I could hold camps. I could get right. endorsement deals. I can do all of these things if, if I'm on a full-ride music scholarship. But simply because I play basketball yeah. instead of play the cello, that somehow precludes me from being able to earn. Yeah. and That's a darn good argument. Yeah. yeah. So it won the day, but it took time to win the day. Oh, yes. What do you think was the objection over all that time? So a lot of people felt very strongly. There was a camp that felt very strongly that this was the complete downfall of amateurism. How would this impact things like Olympic athletes? How would this impact things like team dynamics, recruiting, retention, the the transfer all fair portal? Points. All fair These points. are all fair, fair points. But to be honest, to a certain extent, some things have you know, been to the fear and some things have been little to to nothing. Well, I got to believe, boy, this is fascinating. I, 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 I've forgotten how uh, crazy this was going to turn out. I, I guess I got to believe that for, you know, East Carolina State Jayhawks, whoever the heck it is, or some very modest university, no disrespect meant to East Carolina State, mm-hmm. whatever, that the star of the football team would get a local dealers, car dealership deal and nobody else in the football team is known by the local town. So the star gets five, 10, 15 grand and a car. So the idea, or at least some of the objection may have been that the other teammates would say, you know, God damn it, why, why him and not me? Well, the answer is because he's the quarterback or whatever. Is, was that one of the concerns or even farther deeper than that? It's, it is a concern and it still remains a concern. One way that the colleges and the athletic programs have tried to level the playing field is by having online portals where businesses and athletes can connect and, and that really allows it to remain a free market. Ah, like a dating service. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But a business can come onto a platform, create a profile, look at all the student athletes that are available and say, I want to have you know, five women and I'm going to pick five female athletes um, from field their, hockey, lacrosse, yeah, whatever, soccer, volleyball, because I want them in my, you know, I'm having a charitable event and I would like to have them at my event and I'm going to pay them $250 each to be there. Wow. And they do it through the portal and it goes through compliance and the kids get the 1099s and everything like that. So they're dealing with taxes and everything else. Crazy. Um, so that's one way the athletic programs have have tried to level the playing field. But also, as, as we've seen it at universities across the country, collectives have risen like Alliance 412 to help supplement. Yeah. And so we're bringing in private contributions that we are trying to spread out amongst athletes of multiple sports. But there was so much talk for paying all the athletes as well. That's a separate that's a separate argument, correct? Totally well, different than this. Yeah, we have to be very careful when we talk about paying because we we wade into what is considered pay for play. And that is absolutely not allowed. That is not of compliance. And so we are very, I, I can't speak to how every collective operates, but we're very sensitive to making sure that the student athletes have 
requirements that they have to meet in order to get their contribution. Um, and everything is funneled through the, the compliance office, so everything is completely above board. That's Frances Reimers. She's with us in What's Working in Washington today. Frances is the CEO of Firestarter Communications, a sports marketing agency, and also involved, as you just heard, in Alliance 412, representing Pittsburgh University of Pittsburgh athletes. I'm thinking of Dan Marino. Anyway, so uh, paying versus being compensated for appearance and name, image, and likeness, NIL, but I wonder, um, the challenge is probably never, in my opinion, never going to go away. My daughter used to live in an SEC state, University of Arkansas, uh, and I think in pretty much every SEC football state, the football coach is the highest paid government employee in that state. As I recall, it was always, you know, the the, the second string left guard would be like, that guy's making $4.5 million a year, plus camps, plus endorsements, plus advertising, probably topping out at 5 or $7 million a year. And I'm getting squadouche, except a great education at Auburn or Clemson. That seems to be a collision that's never going to go away. No, I mean, inequities in every way, shape, or form are always going to exist. Yes. You know, I think athletic departments are doing the best they can to level the playing field. Collectives and other fan-driven platforms are trying to do the best to, to level the playing field. Yeah. But at the end of the day, inequities are still going to exist. And part of me, you know, my personal feeling is... That's life. Right. And 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 while it might be hard for some kids or some kids' parents to stomach, yeah. you know, we're trying our best, but that's just life. Well, also, mm-hmm. um, the economics of how much money the program brings into the state, that's always the argument back, which is that coach should be paid this much because they're bringing so much into the state. So let's roll the clock ahead a little bit in your business, Francis Reimers, uh, Firestarter Communications. Any predictions on kind of where this plays out for NIL? Will it be... Will it be sort of a version of paying every every student a, a, some kind of donation that ends up going in their pocket, or are we always going to have this separation? I think it's really going to matter about the school, about their alumni base, uh, about their fan base, yeah. how rabid these people are around their team winning games, winning championships. Right. Again, inequities are going to exist. But what I do see is I think more and more companies, more and more individual contributors are going to be like, Here's a gift for, you know, the five starting five of the basketball team, mostly because of what we just spoke to of having somebody not left out of of this opportunity. Yeah. But really, at the end of the day, what I caution student athletes all the time is you have to put in the work. The more work you do, the more visible you make yourself the more these opportunities are going to come around to you. Twas ever thus, as you said earlier. It's That's the way life works. Francis Reimers, great to have you with us. We always ask our guests at the end of each edition of What's Working in Washington. Notice how I snuck that in there. Um, if they ruled the world for some period of time, what would they make start happening or, or, or change positively, or what would they stop happening, or, or both? What's your answer? Uh, something I would make start happening is people understanding that you need to reply to emails and text messages within a business week. Wow. I, I, I don't know if it's the pandemic or what is happening, but I feel in the past couple of years that we've really gotten away with timely professional Ghosting. correspondence. Yeah. Yes. And and it's okay to say no or I can't do that for you. Yeah. So just getting better at communicating with each other, especially through electronic means. 
Um, uh, something that that I would. Which one was it? That well, was, you, that's what that you would make happen. Yes. What would you stop? Maybe you would stop not people not not answering. I, I would I would stop people answering emails and text messages, professional emails and text messages at night or on the weekends. Got it. We really do need to allow our brains to cool down. So you don't have to answer that text message at 10 o'clock at night or on Sunday morning. It really can wait till 9 o'clock Monday morning. Unplugging. Francis, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by The Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.